We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 128. Scott, do you remember a couple weeks ago when we were in Tampa and we got that comment on iTunes about us being too negative, even though I feel like you and I were the most positive Yankee fans throughout the entire offseason, as well as spring training, when the Yankees were the best team in spring training? Um, that fan, or that, that, that listener of the podcast, might be in for a rude awakening after this past week of baseball, even though they did manage to salvage a little bit on Sunday afternoon. You know, if they did not win today's game, I was seriously going to question the, the two shows a week. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I could survive a, <laughs> season, be a long season with two shows a week if the, if the, if the um, results are going to be like this. But thank God. Thank whatever God you believe in or pray to or not, whatever. But thankfully, they won that game because today would have been a, a disaster of a show and would have been a hell of a lot more complaining, even though we still do have a lot to complain about. Yes. Well, it's um, it's one of those things that it, the the losses were uh, sort of overshadowed by some of the injuries, which I'm more upset about than, than anything because losses happen early in the season. But when when the players are getting injured, that's something that it just scares me for the season because it if I at least thought we'd be able to watch the, the young players develop, and if we can't even watch them, then what the hell are, what what the hell are we doing it for? Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, none of this is is serious. It doesn't seem like it is, and. 
you know, unless the news changes or MRIs show things differently than they're not, ex- you know, what they're expecting to see from from what it sounds like, then, you know, we should have some of these guys back. But uh, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Oh, this week could have been way worse. I, th- I think the fact that they're two and four, it, they could have easily been one and five after after the comeback win on Sunday. Yeah, could have been one and five, could have been four and two, could have been a number of things. It was bad baseball yeah. and, and they're they should be happy they're. They're out with uh, with two wins and then roll into a, a homestand, hopefully with a little bit of momentum after today. It's one of those things I just feel like they've obviously it was only a two series road trip, but they've been away. They haven't been at Yankee Stadium in forever. I mean, it's been all of spring training and it was an epically long spring training because of the World Baseball Classic. They played like 34 games. I just feel like I just I'm dying for them to get back to Yankee Stadium at this point. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of other things that are I think overshadowing the beginning of this of of us waiting to see really good baseball. I mean, you're looking at a guy uh, with Judge and Sanchez and Holiday and Torres all making their their first Yankee Stadium opening day. Like this is the first time they've started with the club and with with a couple of them being rookies and there's a lot of anticipation, nervous energy. I think they just need to get this, like, shake off this this uh, this road trip, get home, get this out of the way too, because you know there's going to be some nerve wracking uh, at bats, some nerve wracking plays in the field for some of these guys too, and they just kind of need to shake off the first couple weeks and then get into the season. I think that's when well, we'll obviously see the real real uh, story here with these guys. Unfortunately, Sanchez will not be playing on Monday afternoon. True that. Um, okay, before we get into everything, the 25% off code for this week is Sabathia in honor of the only good Yankee starter the first time and a half through the rotation. So use code Sabathia for 25% off in the Bronx Pinstripes fan shop for the next week. Uh, so we are moved officially to two two podcasts a week. We got the second one out last week with Justice Sheffield. If you have not listened to episode 127 go back and listen to it we got about 30 minutes with justice while he was on the team bus and i kind of like that bus interviews i I like the sound of that it does sound good it actually doesn't sound good because the quality was complete shit because he was on a bus (laughs) and on a phone but and traveling to erie pennsylvania but it does sound good i like the i like the concept of getting some of these guys while they're on the team bus i think it's uh, yeah i think that would be fun yeah but uh, just to a little transparency on what our plans are for the for the season, we're still going to be doing the regular show each week on Monday releases. It was Tuesday in the offseason, but we're moving it to Mondays, and that's going to be Scott and I, and we're going to be discussing all the topics from the past week. We're going to answer your mailbags. We're going to go through the games. You're going to get your, your normal episodes each week. The Thursday shows, which um, the Thursday shows, um, if we have a guest, that is when the guest will be on. We might not have a guest every week, but we'll see. Uh, but if we if we do get a guest like Justice or, or another player or whoever it may be, they will appear on that Thursday show as well as Scott and I going back and forth on everything that happened uh, news-wise, topics-wise from the since the previous episode. We're going to hold off on all mailbags until we record the, the Monday show. So um, if you submit a mailbag and you don't hear it on that Thursday show, don't be alarmed. It'll be on that next episode. Yeah, so that's a lot of uh, we're trying to break them up and, and make them similar but a little bit different. Uh, I think it's a good format, and we have uh, Andrew and I have a pretty good schedule down, so that'll be that'll be good. Um, I'm gonna plug again June 10th. If you guys, we've gotten a lot of people on on social media. We've gotten emails. We've gotten some mailbags that we'll we'll read about too about this event. But June 10th, definitely set it aside in your calendar. I had a, a meeting that was supposed to happen on Friday that I had to push to to Monday, so we'll have all of the details on Wednesday on the or I'm sorry on the Thursday show 
um, that we can pretty much announce everything and I'll have everything up and pretty much ready for sale, I think, this week. So we will uh, we'll start that going. But June 10th, again, it's the first it's the first uh, inaugural Bronx Pinstripes game event outing party. It's going to be a pregame party at one of the bars around Yankee Stadium. Um, we're working with a brewery right now as well on that pregame party. We're going to make some custom shirts for it. And then also the the game ticket we have uh, about a hundred seats right now with the with the potential to to move that even further um, expanding into the two two fifty mark uh, in the in the outfield so it's going to be a lot of fun it's going to be a, a hell of an event so mark off June ten awesome yeah and that's a seven p.m. Saturday night game so there's plenty of time to get nice and rowdy before that game. Okay, also rate and review the podcast in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. I say it every week, and we appreciate it every week, so please take a minute to do that if you have not already done so. All right, let's get into it, Scott. So we kind of touched on it in, at the intro there, but the Yankees are 2-4, and four, could be 4-2, and two, could be 1-5, and five, could be 3-3, three and three, whatever. Just about everything that could have gone wrong this past week sort of did go wrong for this team. So if you want to hang your hat on something that it can only get better as far as injuries, sloppy play, terrible starting pitching, terrible starting pitching from Tanaka, which, and you know me, I'm the biggest Tanaka cynic out there. I mean, that's not going to stay consistent all season because he is a better pitcher than we've seen. Um, So the fact that everything has sort of gone wrong and Sanchez being injured and bird being day to day, it's all terrible terrible nightmare scenario that you and I were probably not uh, wanting to see, but could be worse, I think. Yeah, it's one of those, you, you got you came out the other end of a, of a really bad scenario, and it's it's uh, you kind of look down and see where you are, and it's not too, not too bad. Obviously, it's extremely early, and I don't want to overreact to what's been going down for the first two weeks, but, you know, what you're looking for, and you're getting excited for this season, and you're looking for these young guys to start off hot. They didn't. They did absolutely none of that. I mean, we're we're seeing some, uh, I think, some some perks from Judge, but he's also struggled quite a bit. The um, the pitching's been terrible. I mean, zero length from anybody. CC, I think, went the longest today uh, yeah, on CC Sunday. Was we're recording. the only? Yeah, uh, he went six innings today, and that was the first time yeah. a Yankees pitcher even got into the sixth inning. So, and so we're looking at this. If if you're th- if you're looking forward at what the bullpen's <laughs> going to look like in August, oh September, uh, it's going to be pretty ugly. And that Triple A roster is going to be on this. Uh, you know what we predicted as far as the 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 Scranton shuttle being for starters and relievers. I, I think uh, if we're looking at what's happened in the past two weeks, that's absolutely going to stand true. Well, it was one of those things that the bullpen blew the game on Friday and Saturday in Baltimore. And while I don't really necessarily blame Clippard, Clippard gets some of the blame for the Friday night loss because he gave up the home run. But there was that error uh, by Headley. It was a throwing error by Headley. And I, both you and I agree, Bird could have scooped that. I think if he, he sh- was... Bird should have scooped it, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Teixeira scoops that. That's not even me being sarcastic. I mean, Teixeira scoops that ball. And I think Bird normally scoops that ball. He's obviously dealing with a foot injury soreness type of deal. And I also think that he pro it seems like he might be taking some of his offensive struggles to the field because he looked lazy on that, on that play. He just looked terribly lazy and that is unacceptable. Slumping is one thing as a fan. I can put up with slumping. I can't put up with people looking lazy in the field because that, that to me is the worst thing you can do as as a player to your teammates is just looking lazy in the field. Well, I don't know if lazy is the the right word. I, you know, I, what I see is him not 
his his mind like not and he's not focusing on, on the moment at the time. And I think you're right. right. I think some of the struggles have come into it. But I mean, that's such an easy play. I mean, you're taught as a first baseman to keep your glove on the ground or low and and move up with the ball. You know, but he it was obvious that he anticipated a hop that didn't really happen. It stayed kind of flat, and the ball went under. It was a really 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 easy scoop that I'd say nine out of ten major league first baseman scooped that ball. So it was it was one of those. It was one of those unacceptable ones. But yeah, I think it's a, a, a almost a, a, a moment where, where focus was lapsed. And that, to me, is unacceptable. Right. So Headley gets the error, and that leads to the two-run homer that, that the Yankees ended up blowing that 5-1 to one lead. And you're saying, to, and I'm sitting there to myself, and it's like, while I don't fully blame this on the bullpen, I'm realizing this bullpen has to be perfect if this team is going to compete. Well, yeah, if your starters are going four and five innings, then absolutely, that's that's the case. But... You know, you can't. That's not realistic. You cannot realistically expect the bullpen day in and day out to be coming in and pitching four or five innings and have a successful team. It's just, it's unrealistic. It, it won't happen. So, well, the bullpen's the strong point on the team. Yeah, no doubt. So, so Girardi, I think Girardi rather have his bullpen, even if it's in the sixth inning, on the field than his starting pitcher. But, but the thing is, is in a perfect world, that's not what you want, and you're going to get taxed. That's what we're. That's that's what I feel like we're going to get in a perfect world. Obviously, your starters go seven innings, but <laughs> what Yankee pitcher is going to go seven innings? Other than I mean, Tanaka is the guy you'd think would go seven innings, and he went two and two thirds in his first, and then didn't even get an out in the sixth inning in his second outing. And that's another that's another you know point to look at because the first week of baseball. The bullpen was used a hell of a lot more than most bullpens are used in the first week of baseball. So thank God for those extra off days. Yeah, and these guys actually in the first week that was one of our shining moments where the 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 you know the strengths of the team was showing as the bullpen, and then you know it got exposed in Baltimore for sure. And those guys had a flair for a comeback even starting last year. If you remember, they had a whole lot of uh, comeback wins. That that's a team. You talking about Baltimore? Baltimore. What did I say? The, no, yeah, no, no. I was, I was confused at who you're talking. About. Yeah, Baltimore, uh, Baltimore. Ne- you never can count that team out because one, they have a lot of home run hitters. Two, they yeah. they play really well in Camden Yards, and the ball flies out of that place. So, if they're at home and they're down, I mean, you got to be careful because they're coming back. You know, the Yankees have not won a series against Baltimore since 2014. Wow, I did not realize that. That's a long yeah, time. Were, I saw that on Twitter today. Um, that amazed me. Yeah, that's not a good thing. You're, that's not a good streak to have with a with a key AL East opponent. At least it, maybe it was in Baltimore, but I thought it was anywhere. Regardless, the the Orioles have crushed the Yankees. Um, Buck Showalter's Orioles, which is an extra little punch in the gut to any Yankee fan from the early '90s, has has absolutely killed the Yankees over the last couple seasons. Yeah, and the Orioles are now a team where where they're pretty much. The, you get into the ninth inning and the game's over because Britain is oh, filthy. He is filthy. He's he's got that he's got that uh, that cutter and it's working pretty well. And the only the only like glimpse of hope I got was that Chris Carter fly ball that had maybe a chance to do something. He thought uh, I was listening to John Sterling on the pregame and apparently he talked to Carter and Carter thought he got it. Yeah. Well, but that wasn't even warning track. I mean. It was Maybe just a long wind was blowing out. It but. was a long fly ball. It just it, at least it, it was probably the most hopeful. Uh, result though off of Britain at that point because the kid the kid is nasty and kind of perked my eyes up when I when I was watching that yeah uh and then yeah I mean that Saturday game was was a shit show all around because once the Yankees were were um slowly bleeding Tanaka was slowly bleeding on the mound and you could sort of see where this game was going the same thing was happening as it did on Friday night 
But then Sanchez with that torn biceps or strained biceps on that that gigantic hack on three one, and it and every every Yankee fan is immediately just like ah shit not the one the one thing we didn't want to happen Gary Sanchez injury happened. Yeah, and I'm really you know when you start thinking about everything about that right arm and the bicep and you know throwing down to second base and him as a catcher. You know, I really the the ten day DL. This is the first glimpse I guess we're getting at the ten day DL, right? The uh, the fact yep. that that it's a it's short this year. it's a shortened time frame that he's on the on the shelf, which is a positive thing. Obviously, if the if the MRI shows something different, then it could be longer. But at the same time, you got to be concerned. You know, it was an immediate one of those immediate things. They were probably taking all precautions, taking him out of the game because they didn't want to risk anything. Obviously, with a franchise player like well. That. And I know then, you were kind of uh, sorry to interrupt you, but he tried to do a practice swing, and his, he did half a practice swing and slumped over. So it was obvious he was coming out of the game. Yeah, I mean they're not going to mess around with that. They're they're really not. And I just I just hope it doesn't linger or something like this into his defense as well. So he's been injured before. You know, if you look at his minor league history, the guy has been injured before. So hopefully it's uh, this is a short stint and it's it's kind of a blip and it's uh, and it's nothing he'd get back. But hopefully uh, hopefully that MRI. I'm really really hoping that MRI comes up clean. <clears throat> He's having an MRI once he gets back to New York. So as you're listening to this, maybe news on the MRI has already come out. But um, I guess it's good news that he didn't. They didn't rush him back to New York for the MRI, right? The um, I guess he saw a team doctor for the Orioles, and um, he he didn't sound extremely alarmed or anything like that. Although I always think it's weird a player seeing an opposition team doctor. Yeah, I'm not trusting that guy. <laughs> I'm not trusting that guy with my franchise player. It's not that far away. Let's just, I mean, take go to New York. It's not that yeah. far. Let's just get this done. I mean, heck, uh, Kyle Higgy drove down from Buffalo in apparently six hours, which everyone was saying is bullshit, even though, according to Google Maps, yeah, you can do it in six hours. He was excited. You got to get there. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then it's not only the Sanchez to the DL injury, but also Bird is day-to-day. It was kind of a, a combo of sore foot from falling that ball off at the end of spring training. And also, he just needed a mental day, I think. He absolutely needed a mental day. You, you could see that he was beating himself up. He was getting very frustrated. I have a feeling Greg Bird's a guy, while, you know, when you look at him and you hear him talk and just the interactions with his pl- with other players, super nice, like very like well-spoken, does, does all the right things. But I do have a, a feeling he's extremely hard on himself. And you could see it just in his mannerisms and, and just kind of the, the faces he makes after uh, after struggling for a little while. And that's that's something that he's going to have to learn to deal with. You know, he's going to struggle and he needs to make sure that mentally he's back in it immediately. He can't can't falter in the field because you're you're struggling at the plate. That's just one of those things that cannot happen. But holy shit, does that lineup look different without Sanchez and Bird's name penciled in there? Yeah, it does. It's a lot. It of- kind of was reminiscent of that 2013 lineup with Travis Hafner and Lyle Overbay and Jason Nix. Just a bunch of uh, questionable major league players in there. Even though they they scored seven runs and got the win on Sunday, but um, Aaron Hicks was batting second. You got Carter batting fourth. It's just one of those things that we thought. I mean, number two and number three, Sanchez and Bird. That we knew that those guys were going to have to carry the team and. They've done anything but in this first week. So. Yeah, and then giving Judge a day off. I mean, it, the, the lineup did not look not look positive when those guys were out. Yeah. Um, apparently, also, Bird is feeling some flu-like symptoms. So it's kind of a trifecta. Mental, he's mentally not there. He's having the flu, and he's got a sore foot. So, uh, who knows? Why can't they just say he's got the flu? Why does it always have to be flu-like symptoms? I, I don't... 
I don't really understand that. Does that because mean, they don't does that mean get... he has a headache? No, I mean, who knows? Maybe he has the diarrhea, but not the Ooh. vomiting or Ooh. vice versa. You never know. Wow. He's going to hopefully be, I think they're, he was kind of stretching on Sunday afternoon if he needed to play the field. So I'm pretty confident he's going to be in the lineup on Monday. So quickly speaking of ailments, and this is a, a bit off topic, but I was just thinking about worst case scenarios as we've been going through them. But could you imagine if we had signed Rich Hill, by the way, as a, as a little <laughs> detour and, and him, oh, going, him going onto the DL already with blisters? This, that Way ahead been, of his August schedule. Yeah, that would have been just the, the cherry on top with, with the old man coming in and, uh, and getting blisters again on his hands. I, I really, I cannot understand how you give this man money, that much money when he's leaving with blisters constantly can you like come on dude like go go grab some dirt go like go pull some weeds go plant some tomatoes go swing an axe go do something can you imagine the absolute meltdown you and i would have had if the if the uh yankees signed rich hill and then he first start gets a blister no because you and i called that from a mile away this winter yeah yeah no it would that would have been that would have been terrible that would have been terrible it really would have been horrible uh, and you, pitchers usually don't get blisters until it gets hot and humid. It, it's April right now. I don't know how he's getting blisters. He's got but. soft skin. He's a little, he's a little girly man. He doesn't do any. He he must have manicures on a on a daily basis and and moisturize four times a day. I mean, I don't. How do you have blisters that that often? It's like you have uh, tissue paper as skin. I don't get it. The uh, I understand though why you wouldn't be able to play with him like you couldn't pitch with a blister i understand that yeah. it just sounds like such a pussy injury it's it's horrible it's like turf toe on steroids like just go do something about they this. gotta come up with a better name for it that's the thing we we said they need to come up with a better name for turf toe because it sounds stupid even though it's pretty serious you gotta come up with a better name than blister because it just sounds like you're a puss yeah contusion of the finger <clears throat> yeah uh so we were kind of talking about the rotation and Tanaka was terrible in his opening day start. Looked a little better in his Saturday start. Everyone was freaking out because apparently the radar gun was reading 98 miles an hour on a couple of his fastballs on Saturday, which is bullshit. I don't know if you've seen this. I was reading some stories that... Did you know the uh, baseball moved to StatCast now for all of their... Um, all of their... Uh, all of their stats. So all their... Uh, exit velocities, radar gun readings, everything is now on StatCast. And apparently there's been a like mile and a half increase across the league on, on pitch speeds. So it's like the home, Tanaka, run, the home runs are up. The ball is tighter. Now yeah. we're, now we're throwing it faster. Yeah. Apparently it's reading it from a different release or from a different point in the, in the pitch travel. So who knows? Anyway, it's getting off topic. Tanaka looked terrible. On uh, on Saturday as well against Baltimore, he um, I don't know. I, do you think the opt out clause has anything to do with the fact that he's looked terrible? No, I don't think it has anything to do with anything. I didn't sound too confident. I just no. I, I, I so it was a dismissive no. I, I don't think it. I don't think it does at all. I, I, I think I think the opt out clause is just. I, I really don't believe that that those types of things play into these guys. This, the ones that are, that are really good, that they don't really think about this stuff. And I, I think that Tanaka is one of those guys who puts that stuff aside. He's never seemed to, to be a mental case in any way over anything. In my opinion, I've never seen anything like that from him. If I'm ever going to say something negative about him, I, I, never, I never question like where his head is. That's never been 
never been a thing. I, I just, I don't know. He's just not executing. I don't know if he's just having bad days or he got tired in the spring. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange because uh, what you're seeing is the location. I mean, the last time out, what, he had four walks. That's so unlike Tanaka. The fact that he's not locating the ball is, is, the, is just so strange to me. And it's just, it, it's leading me to believe that either he has arm fatigue, which makes that 98 miles an hour even more uh, of a, of a um, fabrication, but you know, it, maybe he's overthrowing, so to, so he's throwing harder, but not locating. I don't know what it is, but it's obvious that that he doesn't have complete control of his stuff. Well, it's kind of funny that you say that because yes, you're right. He that is uncharacteristic, and this also goes in, it factors into command. But there was an O2 pitch to Machado in I believe it was the fifth inning with runners on base, and he threw a slider right over the middle of the plate, and Machado took him for a double. And it's like, would it would it kill you to bounce a slider? Well. Yeah, how do you throw an o, an O2 slider down the middle of the plate to Manny Machado, who is top three baseball players on the planet? Yeah, not locating. I mean, he's obviously not trying to throw it there, so that, that's that's something that maybe he was trying to bounce it and he just couldn't do it. You know, I I don't know. It, it's like it's like the guy's not, arm is not working with his brain and it's not doing what he wants it to do. So I don't know if it's if it's fatigue or what, but uh, he needs to turn around quickly because this this has well, to end. If he's uh, if he's a a guy who is laboring through five and six innings all season, we're we're in. Deep, totally deep trouble. We were counting on him to be the the guy, the only guy in the rotation that gets you into the seventh inning yeah. every time out. Right. So, uh, speaking of that opt out clause, though, so the New York Daily News for, reported last week that a source close to the team said the Yankees are not likely to pursue Tanaka if he opts out. And then twelve hours later, the New York Post puts out a report that Steinbrenner and Cashman said. That is not true. We've had no discussions with Tanaka's agent or Tanaka about his opt-out clause. I guess we have to believe Cashman at his word on this. But don't you think the fact that there is an opt-out clause just causes all this kind of controversy? Like, opt-out clauses are just a recipe for this kind of shit that I don't want to deal with. Storylines that are unnecessary on April 10th. Yeah, I guess, but it's it's also part of the contract that it's a it's an incentive for for the player. They like to build these things in there because it it, it gets them potentially another big deal, you know, before they would get it otherwise. So it's a player thing. I mean, they're, the 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 contracts are being written like this, and you're seeing them even more now because of these longer term contracts where they're where they're spreading the money out. So the onus at that point is, is on the player to overperform because if they do overperform, then they can take advantage of the opt out. So it's. It's really a, a a good scenario though for both teams because the player can can make out in money and then theoretically the team's making out because the player is trying to make that more money and take advantage of the opt out. So I, I don't see it going away. It, well, it's certainly not. Oh, you mean the opt out clause? Uh, Period. In baseball, in baseball yeah. and the contracts, they're just becoming well, this, more popular. This storyline isn't going away either. We're going to deal with this all all summer. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if we're talking about Clint Frazier's, uh, Clint Frazier's I can't even say his name. Clint Frazier's long hair when it wasn't even long, and the and the media is making stories out of out of that. We're gonna be talking about this opt out clause every single time Tanaka pitches. And I know he's not gonna come out and say either way what he's doing because that's not in his best interest. And I'm not saying I even want him to do that again because it's not in his best interest. But until we get a definitive answer from Tanaka. Guess what? We've got six months of will Tanaka opt out? Will he not opt out? So but it's all just speculation. Up, it's all just speculation and nonsense because Tanaka doesn't say anything to anybody. He he gives his he gives the answers to the questions he's asked. You, by, think, his, you think his translator knows? I bet he told his translator what he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, 
I'm pretty sure we all know if he has a good season, he's going to opt out. <laughs> not, not the way he's pitching, though. No, it's not, not, the, not this way. If he's doing this way, people are going to start questioning his, uh, his arm strength or his, you know, if he could control the pitches and what's going on with the elbow and why is the forearm tingling and yada, yada, yada. So, but we're in agreement. Tanaka will be better this season. Uh, what we don't know is how Pineda is going to be this season. This season? We, the t- this season? I'm pretty sure we know what we're going to expect this season. What do we expect well, tomorrow or the next pitch or the next inning? I have no idea. Well, two out, uh, two out Pineda showed up again in Tampa. And he's pitching on opening day. So congratulations, everyone, going to opening day today at the stadium. You probably paid twice as much for that ticket as you would a normal ticket. You get to watch Big Mike pitch. Maybe he'll go, maybe he'll go in there. And uh, be on fleek and strike out, what, 16, 17 guys. Maybe he'll be that Pineda. Maybe that guy will show up. It was exactly the same Pineda we saw all last season. He got to two strikes and he got to two outs and then he shit himself. Yeah, he can't, he can't put people away. He, he's, got, he's got some of the best stuff that I've seen and he can't, he can't use it when it needs to be used. He, he, can't, he cannot go in there and execute a pitch with, a, with, two, with two strikes to put a guy away. It's extremely sad because with somebody like that, who's as big as he is, who's got such great movement on his pitches and throws as hard as he does, you know, this, the fact that he is so mentally weak when it comes to putting people away and not closing out a batter or an inning or whatever it is, is just one of the more unfortunate storylines because this guy could be very, very good. He got a little bit screwed by the catwalk in Tampa. But I'm still putting the blame on, on Pineda for not getting out of that inning because he actually got a gift from Sanchez on a headley call on a headley play when he bounced a bounced a throw to home plate and they called the guy out and replay was kind of questionable. So I, I, I'm going to call it a wash between the catwalk and that play and Pineda just sucks with two outs. I mean, if I were a team, I would go up there and tell my first two guys of every inning to strike out on, on six total pitches and then just watch him implode on the mound. I don't know why this team in the offseason is not is not like seriously investing in some sports psychology for this guy. Like get Maybe the did. get the best dude who is who who is the guy who can who can train the mindset. Get like Michael, Michael Phelps's coach, like that whoever that that guy is. He's done pretty well. Let's go have him work with Michael Pineda because this guy's got all world ability and he just can't put it together. And a lot of it, if not all of it, is in his is in his brain between the ears. Get this guy some help. He needs help mentally. Get him, get him the Dr. James Andrews of sports psychology. Seriously, can we bring him in? We're the New York freaking Yankees. Can we go get a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> or just drug him. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, put a what, what the, the, uh, hip, hip, hypnotize him. Hypnotize him and make him think that every time it's two strikes, there's zero strikes. What did you think of Severino's first outing? Uh, I'd, I'd say it was... It was um, we saw a little bit of progress. I think he's he's still making that you know that that one mistake, um, but it was encouraging, I guess. Yeah, that's the word I would use because so the first inning his defense sucked, did him no favors, and last year he would have given up seven runs in that scenario, and he didn't. He he gave up a run, and he and then he he battled through, and he was cruising through the first few innings. His breaking stuff was sharp. He was throwing his change up. It wasn't the best changeup I've ever seen, but he was using it. And to me, that shows at least confidence in it and progress mentally, right? That's what we've talked about is he would get hit on it last year and then abandon it. And then if you're an opposing player, you can say, okay, well, I'm going to sit fastball every pitch. 
So at least we saw progress there. But like you said, he made that one big mistake to Manny Machado. But it's again, that's Manny Machado. And the like, thing, the thing with Severino too, there there could have been a very strict game plan as well that Rothschild and um, um, and uh, Sanchez went into with, with something like this, where where you're talking about, uh, you know, you cannot abandon the changeup. Like in between innings, it's not your call anymore. We're gonna throw the changeup, even if it doesn't feel great. We're still gonna throw it just so we can show the the batters that we are throwing it. And, and that could have been something. And I kind of hope that is the case because I don't think he's at the point. Now, in his career, obviously he hasn't shown that he can do it or make the decisions on his own. I think he's got to throw what's called down. And I think Rothschild also should have a, a big influence in those pitches because it's until he gets comfortable with when to throw when to throw what and 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 when to use that changeup, you know, I, I think almost that side of the game should be relatively taken out of his hands. Uh, so the I think that the turning point as far as Severino goes was that walk with two outs to Adam Jones. And people were getting all over him on Twitter because you know who's coming up after after that. You've got the big hitters up. So walking Adam Jones with uh, with two outs in the fourth inning was definitely terrible. Ter- but but at least again, I'm, I'm going to go with the word encouraging. Yeah, let's just uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping to see much better though. <laughs> um, it was also nice though to see your your Binky get a home run, his first home run of the season, Matt Holiday. Hey, my boy's been playing pretty well. Five walks, five, five, five walks. OBP machine. Yo, that yeah, that on base percentage. I should have made that bet for on base percentage. You'd be crushing it right now. But I still have <laughs> I, a, think, I still have a nice hefty lead going in a, yeah, after I two mean, weeks. I think I jinxed Greg Bird. I think that's what happened. <laughs> but it's uh yeah no he's been he's been playing well. I think he's uh he he's pretty much what we we thought he would be so far. You know he's he's get he's doing his job. He's getting on base. A um, little bit of power there, so uh, that's that's a positive from the the first two weeks is Matt Holiday. Yeah, and Sanchez hit an absolute bomb, and you're saying okay, Sanchez had all that hard contact in Tampa, nothing to show for it, yep. and he finally finally got a home run, big home run on Friday in Baltimore, and then that injury, man. I mean, that sent that sent Yankees Twitter into a meltdown. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a good thing, especially after you get the first home run the day before, and you're like ready for yeah. this, ready for the, the the waterfall to occur, and you know for this guy to start start really producing, and then and then you have that setback. So again, we just need to really hope that it's it's really just a strain, and that's it, and they're just being cautious. I think the fact that they put him on the 10 day DL immediately was um, was relatively encouraging, just just because it is a, a short stint. Okay, a little bit of second guessing from that Saturday game. Uh, and you and I were tweeting about this, that uh, Girardi referred to the binder instead of uh, leaving Adam Warren in, in, I believe it was, what was that, the seventh inning? He goes to, well, first he goes to Tommy Lane, which should be your first mistake. Um, then he goes to Batances with a runner, with runners on base. And I think we've said it maybe a thousand times on this podcast that Batances is better with clean innings and nobody on base, even though Girardi seems to ignore that or have not learned that by now. So that's definitely a second guess. Maybe the first second guess of, of the, the 2017 season on Girardi. Well, it's funny because when not only is, is Batances more comfortable, clearly more comfortable when he has a clean inning and, and he goes in there and controls everything, but uh, I'm pretty sure Mark Trumbo was stealing bases on, on Dylan Batances. Buck Showalter, who does not run very often, is is a guy that I think they stole two bases off of him, if I'm not mistaken, during that when when he was playing. And it was clear that they were just taking advantage of Batances that entire time. And, you know, 
I just don't understand why Girardi can't put him in a situation where he knows he'll succeed, where he'll know who'll do better. I, I know that maybe you, if you ask Girardi this, he's like, well, you know, I don't want to be handicapped when I can use him. But at the same time, you have guys you have confidence in. Um, just just put, again, put him in when you do. Using, it's not using the, the eye test. It's referring too much to the, to the binder and the, the matchup, the lefty-lefty matchup. He saw uh, Davis up at the plate, and he said, okay, I'm taking Adam Warren out, and I'm going to Tommy Lane because it's a lefty-lefty matchup. Girardi can't help himself. Right. But, and and, but Warren and Warren's the guy. Warren's his safety net. He needs to use him as such. He needs to use him as the guy. If you see him pitching well, keep rolling him out there because he can do that. That's a guy who can keep going. Keep pitching him. You're right. Do not use, especially when you're when you're starting pitchers or, or doing what they're doing. If you see a guy that's cruising, let's with a guy like Adam Warren who can start go long innings and also has experience pitching at the end of games. That's a guy you ride for for another inning or two. It's just a lack of feel for your the current situation going on in the game and there's I don't know how thousands of people on Twitter can have a better feel for it than Joe Girardi who's sitting in the freaking dugout yeah it's not what you want it's not what you want um and then they finally they 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 salvaged the game on Sunday it was going to be brutal if they got swept in Baltimore but they they the offense woke up late the the there's Orioles. a storyline there's an underlying storyline about the offense though before they even got to that sixth inning or whatever yeah, it was when the, to, when toe hit the double and then it advanced on the well yeah and the underlying storyline is that the Orioles decided to walk everybody yeah, seven seven Wade Miley Wade seven Miley walks. alone he threw fifty six out of a hundred pitches for strikes it's embarrassing that you don't score <laughs> on that that's embarrassing one hit that's terrible it's it's, it's I mean, ten walks overall ten or eleven walks overall for the Yankees on Sunday. Yeah. You better score seven runs if you're getting 10 free passes. Yeah, but it didn't happen until late. They finally made the pay for it. I mean, law of averages say you're going to pay for it eventually. But when you walk seven guys through uh, and then you don't get your first runs until the sixth inning, I think it was a what, 3-2 ball game when Torres knocked those those two runs in. So, you know, and that was those were the first time they actually made them pay for it. Just just time after time after time, letting them off the hook. And if we're if we're in for that, if we're in for that, what was that, 2015 where the, or maybe even 14 where the, um, the two out uh, runners in scoring or just runners in scoring position period was just a disaster. You oh, know, you're it, thinking of 2013, 2014, yeah. 2015, and 2016. <laughs> okay, so every year in the past four years, right? <laughs> the uh, but that's that's a trend that cannot happen. I mean, you need to take advantage of that, especially with a young team like this. The uh, yeah, they blew it open in the ninth inning. Finally, uh, first though, before that in the eighth, Judge with with his first homer of the season, clutch tied the game. And he also hit a missile earlier in the game right. that I think a tall third baseman could have caught and then ended up going off the wall in the air. 115 miles an hour exit velo. I know you love exit velo. Oh, I love exit velo. The, that's probably my favorite of the uh, advanced metrics. The, uh, it's such, a, such an important stat, especially when it's a ground ball to the shortstop that's turned for a double play. The uh, <laughs> it's, it makes no sense to me. It's so stupid. But the uh, I think that was a Gary or someone hit the hardest ball all year, and it was a it was a well, Sanchez uh, was it Sanchez yeah in the first at bat against Chris Archer on opening day, a hundred and whatever it was, fourteen mile an hour exit velo, and it would have been a base hit probably, but it went off Archer's leg. Right. The so um, I remember we that's got to hurt about. Archer. That does have to hurt. The uh, the fact is that it's a it's a, it's a great stat, but yeah, you got to make sure that um the, for first of all for Judge when you're seeing him come up in a, in a clutch situation like that, and then and then deliver that's exciting. 
That is exactly what you want to see. Tie the game up, get some momentum. It was a it was a no doubter. The um, who was it? O'Day who hung the ball. He was terrible, by the way. He was nasty last year. He looked terrible in this outing. I don't know. He was hanging a lot of a lot of breaking stuff. He he hung a uh, an O2 slider, which I swear I thought for no doubter that that thing was going to bounce outside and Castro was going to swing and strike out. But he hung it over the plate and Castro lined it up the middle. O'Day was bad, but Judge was very clutch. That was a huge huge home run, especially for his confidence. I think that's really going to. Um, help him out. Do you want a you can't predict uh, predict baseball, Susan? We got one at the end of that game. I was listening to it on the radio at the end, and I got that. I, I was given what I wanted. Well, what what was it in reference to? Just everything that happened in that game with the walks oh. and everything. Well, here's it, it a was, it was kind of like a recap of the game. Yeah, here's a you can't predict baseball, Susan. Ronald Torres is leading the team in RBIs. Oh, you cannot predict that. You cannot <laughs> predict that beautiful oh it's great it's great uh little toe the shortest man on the field is leading with seven rbis huge triple he looked terrible in the game with runners on base but i mean torres has has been a fun player so far i mean wouldn't you say the highlight of the season has been that picture between aaron judge and ronald torres yeah that's definitely up there as far as the the imagery The, the those two are awesome together it's perfect and uh, I also noticed late in the game, as Buck Walters' team was imploding on the field, he gave us a "it's not what you want" face, and I thought maybe that's where Joe Girardi learned it from. I, does his face change that often? I mean, it's pretty oh, much yeah. the he, same he face all a, the time. He had a scowl on his face, like I am going to turn over every single piece of food in the post game uh, post game spread. He's going to turn over the turn over the food. Yeah, like flip it over. <laughs> That's weird. Like, uh, that's a like weird. In, that's a very weird thing to do. He's just getting pissed off. Like, uh, is he gonna take da- a, uh, he take a spatula and just like turn every every single piece of food over? No, like throw it on the ground, like Danny Glover and Angels in the Outfield. Uh, okay, you and your Angels in the Outfield references. I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, but Buckshaw Walter is, is uh, can't be happy with his bullpen's performance on Sunday. Okay, let's get into some mailbag questions. This first one is from Alex Fulton. He says, "I had a, I had a." I just feel the need to bring up that as of April 7th today, so it was a couple days ago, Chase Headley has the highest batting average in Major League Baseball. I know that's hard to hear, Andrew, and while I don't expect it to last, it's definitely worth hearing Andrew's thoughts on his boy leading the majors in batting average. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> Little update on Headley is that he's now hitting 333, so no longer anywhere close to the league lead in batting average. He also had a couple of throwing errors. He's got two already on the season. I know you are blaming one of them on Bird, and I'll, even, I'll give that to you. Yeah, it's but still, 100%. His issue a couple years ago was throwing errors, and he, we're seeing bad throws again. Have you he, seen how many throws. how many glove um, like phenomenal glove plays he's made it in was third never, so far? Yeah, his issue was never catching the ball. But, it was throwing the ball, which is just as important as catching the ball hey, if you're a third baseman. The problem with what you're doing here is that you're ignoring the phenomenal plays that he's made with the glove. That's what's happening right now, okay? I need you to understand that. Yes, he has made a couple throws that the, first of all the the the, the throw to bird that's that's not even a bad throw. It's, it's it was no, such it's an easy ba- scoop. It's, it's, it's it was a bad an easy throw. scoop. Make the scoop. It's a non-thing. The it's fact is throw. that he's been making some uh, unbelievable. He's made three or four phenomenal plays in two weeks with the glove that not many other third basemen make. 
So it doesn't annoy you that he can make the 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 web gem diving catch on a liner, but he can't throw simply chest high across the diamond. He can. It was an easy. It was an easy catch. Just make Come the on. catch. No. Come on. I I got nothing That's on unfair. his throws. That's unfair. That the the fact that you're not criticizing Headley at all for his throws. He bounced one two in. First of all, he bounced one in Tampa that Sanchez saved him an error on, and they got the out at home plate. Even though replay was questionable on it, I referred to that earlier in the podcast. I thought he then was then on a on a on a on a ball to um, he was trying to uh, throw behind the runner and he threw it off the guy's head. He well, threw it off head, the runner's head. His head was in the way. Why was his head well, there? It's a, thro- it's a throwing error, and then he had the throwing error on Friday night that let the floodgates open for Baltimore to to steal that game from the Yankees. Okay, that was on Bird. That should have been a should have been. been Listen, Headley's been way better than any of us ever thought. I mean, he already has more hits and home runs in a week in April than he did all of the last two months of, of 2016. So, fine. At least he's producing on the field. That's a positive. But I still am going to get on him when he's when he's screwing up easy throws. The problem is, is when you look around what's happening in this team, this is the last guy that we should be talking about because he's not he, – first of all, I don't know how many – I don't even remember the scenarios when, he's, when he made those plays – with uh, you know, at the line, and then he made another diving play uh, towards shortstop. I don't know how many runs he saved with those, but I'm sure there's a few. And the fact is that this guy has been playing way above his level so far, and should probably not be criticized at all. Yet a couple bad throws, fine. No, you know, I'm not. I'm not sitting here and harping on it because everybody else has been terrible, and he's been the one, you know, one of the only bright spots of the team so far. Unexpected Alex- bright spots. Alex asked me for my thoughts on Chase Headley. I gave you my thoughts on Chase Headley. Next mailbag. (laughs) (laughs) Next mailbag is from Brian. Depending on the severity of Sanchez's injury, do you do the Yankees look for a catcher or do they trust Roman enough? If they do look for a catcher, who do you think they are looking for? Um, so Kyle Higashikoa Higgy was called up. And uh, he made the drive from Buffalo to Baltimore. So it's Romine and Higgy for the foreseeable future until Sanchez is back on the field. Uh, We all hope. We don't know what the details on Sanchez's injury are. But let's say doomsday scenario and he's out for, whatever, three months. Do you think the Yankees sign a catcher, try and trade for one? Or do you think they just roll the dice with uh, what they got? Well, if he's out for three months, they'll probably go and look for somebody who who can go into AAA and be uh, a reserve or be somebody who's who's there as a um, as a fallback plan. But the the one interesting thing I that I I would see if he was out for a long time, how much more time we're going to see Kyle Higgy get over Romine because he's not really meant and he's never really been a backup catcher in that sense. This is a guy that they they want to continue to develop because he has been playing well. His bat has come on in the past year or two years, and this is a guy that you know they've talked about. They want to get, keep him um, getting reps and, and continuing to play a lot. So, you know, he's never really been that backup guy, whereas Romine has. So, I think if that's if he's out for three months, if that's something that's a scenario, which I really hope is not, and we're just completely talking out of our butts at this point, then I could see him actually getting more starts than than uh, than as of right now. I like Romine, and I think they like Romine to handle whatever they throw at him. I mean, obviously, he's not a 140-game-a-year catcher, but if he needs to fill in for a couple weeks while Sanchez, I think he's more than capable, and I think that he handles the pitching staff very well. I agree, and if it's the few weeks, then then that, that will be the case. Like I'll, I'll give you a for instance on, on a scenario that happened today that I was going through my head before it went down. So they uh, Girardi was pinch-run, uh, pinch-ran Cosma for... 
Um, it was for, Carter. For Carter, and then Romine, uh, somebody, look, th- there was somebody, somebody else had a, I forget who it was, who was running. But Romine, there was no more first baseman, okay? So Headley had to move over to first base. Right there, if they had a backup catcher that they that they that they knew could come in, Romine probably would have gone to first base, and then the backup catcher would have come in. But he's never Higgy's never caught Aroldis Chapman coming in, so they had to keep uh, they had to keep Austin Romine behind the plate, therefore rendering that second catcher pretty much useless. And they brought Chase Headley over to first base, which he's not, which he has not really done very often. Well, so he also, I but, mean, but I'm saying in a long term scenario like that. You want that guy at the end of the games that you can you could rely on the defense, and I don't think Girardi. I know Girardi's not there with with um, with Higgy yet because he just doesn't know him as well. He's not that guy who who's the prototypical backup catcher where you could go in there and rely on him uh, to to catch at the end of games. So that that's why I believe they would bring somebody else in if it was a longer term injury. Higgy arrived in Baltimore at like four a.m. I don't think he was playing that game unless Romine got hurt. Okay, I, I still, kind of they're like, not bringing him in how, though. They're not bringing him in we, to, for Chapman. That's not happening. I think that if it's uh, if the same scenario happens next week, I think they would. He's got to catch him. If I don't I, see, even then, I don't. I don't think well, he can go. Out, he, can go, I mean, I'm sure he caught him in spring training. I'm not sure if he did or not. Well, he can go out to the bullpen and warm him up for his next outing. The problem is, look, this is a very, very, very loose scenario here. This is this is a scenario only when Sanchez is out for an extended period of time. We said three months, give or take. That's you know almost half, half the season. If he is out that time, they will go and get another catcher. I guarantee they will go find a veteran guy and bring him in, like a Chris Stewart type guy. That's who they will go get. I think you're missing the point as to why they moved Headley over to first base. It's so he couldn't make throwing errors. <laughs> right, 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 right. He could just scoop right. the bad throws. He'll show Bird how to do it. Next mailbag is from Brandon, and he says, who do you like for the fifth starter, Green or Montgomery? I think Montgomery has way more upside and has the numbers, but do you think it's more beneficial for him to get more work in the minors? Um, so quickly, Green is 25 years old and Monty is 24 years old, so I don't really think it's a question of who needs to get more more work in the minors. They're both, I think, at the same level. I know Green has major league experience, but... I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they would make a decision to choose Green because Montgomery needs more minor league time. Yeah, I, for whatever reason, the way it looks just on the surface, we could read into all this minor league stuff and where they're pitching and how they're pitching and what the weather delays did because they both pitched in the same game because they're trying to line them up as the fifth starter for whoever wins it. It's it, it makes your head spin when you think about the 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 actual scenario and how Girardi's making the decision, but. The one thing that sticks out in my head is that Green has uh, has a decent amount of experience also in the bullpen. He's come up on the, in, on the major leagues too. In the major leagues, he's pitched in the bullpen. That's something I think that I'm keeping my eye on. I think they want Montgomery to win this job because I think Montgomery is the, the lefty. Um, he showed well. This is a guy I think they, they want to win this job and, and be the fifth starter because you know they can keep Green stretched out or they do have him as an option where they could bring him up later uh, as a bullpen guy too. So that's just my... My in, my my intuition on what they're doing with him it could be completely wrong because honestly there's no rhyme or reason what's happening right now. Heck, they just need somebody who can pitch innings. Like they need some starters to consistently get them into the sixth inning. At this point, I think Montgomery's appealing because he's another lefty too. No, I, I definitely agree with you. But like, if, I I just need somebody to go out there and pitch six innings. That's not too much to ask for. Apparently, it's like uh, Nathan Avaldi all over again. Oh God! I, what I would do for Nathan Avaldi right now? Why he'd go five and a third? Because he was good luck. He won a lot of games. 
That was a good luck Did charm. You, uh, were you sad to see him sign with the Rays? Not really. I was over it at that point. That was quick. Yeah. I had moved on. I had moved on. We got we got a guy now with uh with with giant forearms. We're good. <laughs> All right, what do we have next? Next is from Scott in Ottawa. He says one of my favorite things as a Yankee fan is John Sterling's personalized home run calls. When a new Yankees when a new Yankee joins the team and you hear the famous it is high, it is far, it is caught at the wall. <laughs> no, I just put that in there. But I run and crank the volume up. And dial it up and wait for John's call. It's an added bonus if he sings it like you did for Holiday. What's your guys' favorite Sterling home run call? Scott says his favorite is Burn Baby Burn. So you were listening to Sterling on your drive back today. Yes. Um, and you were saying that uh, he's kind of he's kind of losing it, which he has been for a couple years. But it's uh, it's getting a little dicey with the Sterling calls. You got to follow on it, the MLB app. While you're listening, yeah, to make sure that what hap- what he said happened actually happened. The problem of the there's a delay at this, but at this, when you're driving, you're trying to listen and you know catch the game. And I mean, it's getting bad. There were so there were a few times where uh, there were runners on, and I think it was Chase Headley who was up, and there was a, a flare to left, and it sounded like it was down, and the two runs were about to score, and nope, it got caught. But the the call, you you, you totally fooled me. And then I started cursing badly <laughs> at John Sterling. I wasn't even cursing anybody else but John Sterling for fool, for tricking me. Uh, and then at the end of the game, when when Aaron Judge caught that ball, I had no idea the game was over for a solid 30 seconds because John Sterling definitely thought the ball was not caught. Um, you remember you and I saw him last time we were at spring training, uh, sort of just walking by? Yes. You kind of yelled for him. He looked so thin. Looked like he lost like 50 pounds. And he used to be kind of a full guy. And I'm a little concerned he might be sick. I have no idea what his health is. I hope he's not. It's just, you know, it's also a guy getting a little bit older. And I just, I don't know. I hope he's not too because we kind of bust on Sterling. But I actually do, like, I remember growing up listening to John Sterling. I enjoy his calls. Well, I think a lot of it is nostalgia. I think people like John Sterling, the people that did grow up with him. I mean, I was one that used to listen to them, to him and Michael Kay on 77 when I was a kid all the time. And, you know, they were they were awesome together. I thought Sterling was 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 terrific. And I still I still think he's good. He's got that charm. He's got that baseball charm that I think a lot of people love. And it's it's just now it's getting so inaccurate with a lot of the calls that it's affecting the way that the game is heard. And that's where I have a problem with it. It's becoming and you it was always kind of a, a jo- like a joking uh, thing if Sterling got it wrong because I was when I read that I said it is high it is far it is caught at the wall he would do that all the time and it was a it was a charming thing kind of but now it, it's getting repetitive and it's happening quite often and yeah. uh, when it, it happens like once every other month you're like haha that's funny but yeah. now when it happens twice a game you're like dude and and, and honestly it just could be age I mean it just could be just getting older and and just not as sharp I, I don't know oh, yeah he's old I, he's old he's it's really there. it's really hard for me to sit here and speculate what's going on with him because I have no idea so he's 78 yeah I mean, that's, that's that's up old. there for sure so hopefully um hopefully he's Although all right Vince Scully was 90 <laughs> yeah Vince Scully is uh he was he don't was you good. do you think that though when they move on from Sterling they have to move on from Waldman as well like they're kind of a pair probably yeah yeah, you got you get a whole new broadcast team in there. Maybe it's us. Maybe you and I take over the calls. That'd be fun. Anyway, so what's your favorite call? What's your favorite Sterling call? I always found it hilariously ironic when in the same inning we would get an A-bomb from A-Rod and a thriller from Godzilla. 
and <laughs> you can you can figure out why it's hilarious. <clears throat> I uh, I agree with Scott. Actually, my favorite was by was definitely the burn baby burn. I thought those were those were awesome. Whenever uh, whenever he would do the burn baby burn, that was my favorite by far. I you know how he also cu- like likes to um, shove Bambino in home run calls like it was the Bantino. And the Giambino. Yeah. And the and Sanchino. The Sanchino, which yeah. is uh, this year's. Um, I liked Giambino because it fits very well. I thought that was, that was like, the, Giambi's name was perfect for the Giambino. Yeah, it was good. That's a good one, too. Um, yeah. And I also always enjoy when a new player comes to the Yankees and he hits a home run and he doesn't have a home run call for him yet and he just has to do a regular old plain home run call. You know what's eating him up inside that he can't say something funny. And it's just he has to go with the regular road. It was a two-run home run by insert player's name here. I remember it happened with uh, Wilson Bedemit because they traded for him, and like in his first game he hit home run and he had nothing for him. How in the hell do you remember that? I, I, because my dad, my dad and I were listening as this happened and we were laughing about it. <laughs> I, you know, you remember weird shit. I don't remember anything, but yeah, the uh, the. His his calls haven't been very good lately either. I feel like the no, crea- they've been terrible. The creativity has definitely uh, has left the building. Like we just said, seventy eight years old, and he also has references from like nineteen sixty two. So which I love. Those are the ones. See, that's why I, I think it's charming. I think I think he's got that charm, uh, that baseball charm when he's when he's doing the broadcast. I think they're. I think I still enjoy listening to him. Honestly, it's just it's it's frustrating when the inaccuracies happen more often. Yeah. Okay, the next mailbag is actually, I just realized, also from Alex Fulton. We had one from him a couple uh, couple reads ago. Alex says, I was wondering if you could expand on the Susan Waldman, Clint Frazier thing that happened last week about Clint wanting to unretire numbers. Cashman came out and said it never happened, so why did Susan say it? And why is she talking like she doesn't like him? I'm so confused as to what Frazier did that pissed this organiz- organization off already. You and I briefly touched on this story as it was kind of developing in our Thursday episode. It was before but, uh, it was it was before it came out that Susan yeah. Waldman made it up, though, and we said right. we practically said that it was it was complete horseshit and it was yeah. probably fabricated or over exaggerated somehow or you know playing telephone or whatever it was, and that, and that was pretty pretty much what happened. Yeah, but I want to read a mailbag from uh, Louis in Puerto Rico because I think he kind of expresses everything I'm feeling about uh, the whole Clint Frazier situation. Uh, Louis says, why, oh, why does the media have to find something or someone to, to hang? Why, oh, why does everybody love to find something bad on a player? Of course, I'm referring to Clint Frazier. For all the talk about the Yankees being boring with their rules, the media sure loves to knock players who go against the status quo, even if they're within the rules. This applies to the whole players shouldn't show emotion thing. Yeah, the Yankees have the rules, which uh, I personally am fine with, but Frazier didn't break any rules. He cut his hair after the media made a big story about it, but they still find more ways to rip the guy. What now? Put makeup on his freckles because it's a distraction for the team. I think the fans should speak up in favor of the players. Let them know we support them. Frazier should know we want him in New York, even if the media doesn't. Hashtag we want Red Thunder. And I thought that was perfect summation of the way I feel about the whole situation. Yeah, we said this last week on, on Thursday's show that it, it just seems like it's it's very unwarranted criticism. The the guy has practically done everything the right way since he's gotten here. He had that that first. He was very active on Twitter in the beginning, and and that was that's kind of my uh, 
that that's kind of why I think all of this is happening. I feel like a lot of the media made a rush judgment about the kid at that point and, and then never really let that go and just kind of made whatever that judgment is and, and carries it through. And now they're looking for anything and everything and they know it'll make big headlines and they know it'll get clicks and they know people will talk about it. So they throw something out there. Why Susan Waldman fabricated some story of this or however it came out, whether it was an exaggeration talking to somebody else, I have no idea. She called him, apologized. They talked it out, blah, blah, blah. Frazier is, you know, you look at his social media. He doesn't tweet very often anymore. And the other stuff is is basically like the dude and his girlfriend, which is whatever. That's fine. It's his personal life. And talking about the fact that he's just going to focus on the stuff on the field. And that's what he should do. So, you know, I hope he comes out, goes out there and destroys AAA and is in the Bronx fast because we all want him here. I thought his tweet about the whole situation was perfect. He said, I care more about what's on the front of the jersey than on the back. Yeah, and, and it's just such a ludicrous thing that he would go in there and ask for Mickey Mantle's number. It's, it's literally Like insane. you and I said, no one's that dumb. No one is that dumb. No one yeah. is that dumb. It's impossible. You don't get to the situation where he's in and then do something stupid like that. Especially when you know, what the, you know the answer, you know the reaction. It, it's, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing unknown about that situation of what's going to happen. There's no good ending. But, man, is he under a microscope? It's insane. I, we have not seen anything like this from a Yankees prospect as far as targeting. It's because we haven't seen a Yankees prospect that's any damn good. It's been a <laughs> well, long I mean, time <laughs> since we've seen a Yankees prospect. And we haven't really seen one in today's media culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So, I, I just... Let's, let's wait to kill him. We'll kill him if, he's, if he does something to warrant it. But let's just wait. That's all I'm saying. Okay, thank you to everybody who submitted mailbags. If you want to do so, go to bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. You can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. My Twitter handle is at Andrew underscore Rotondi. Scott's is at Scott Reinen. Call the voicemail line 646-480-0342. Remember, we've got a show coming up on Thursday, so tune into that. Scott, any last words before we get out of here? No, happy home opener to everybody uh, listening to this on, on Monday. Hopefully you get it right before the game, and this is a nice little uh, setup for the Yankee home opener. If you're at work, go home, go to the game, do what you got to do to watch the game, and uh, hopefully it's a, it's a good week against the Rays to fix some ass at home. Boom. Talk to you guys in a couple of Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.